0: Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. Our first lesson for this fourth Sunday in Advent is found recorded in the book of Micah, chapter 5, beginning at verse 2. By the way, these words were the words that the chief priest brought before Herod when the Magi asked the question, Where is the one born king of the Jews? And because of this verse, the Magi went to Bethlehem. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, from you will go out the one who will be the ruler for me in Israel. His going forth are from the beginning, from the days of eternity. Therefore the Lord will give them up until the time when the woman who is in labor bears a child. Then the remaining survivors from his brothers will return to the people of Israel. He will stand and shepherd with the strength of the Lord in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. He will dwell securely, for at that time he will be great to the ends of the earth. This one will be their peace. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson is found recorded in the book of Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 5. Therefore, when he entered the world, Christ said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but you prepared a body for me. You were not pleased with burnt offerings and sin offerings. Then I said, Here I am. I have come to do your will, God. In the scroll of the book, it is written about me. First, he said, sacrifices and offerings that were offered according to the law, both burnt offering and sin offerings, you did not desire, and you were not pleased with them. Then he said, Here I am. I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. By this will, we have been sacrificed once and for all through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. We read from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, beginning at the 39th verse. In those days, Mary got up and hurried to the hill country to a town of Judah. She entered the home of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Just as Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She called out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? In fact, just now, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, The baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who believed, because the promises spoken to her from the Lord will be fulfilled. Then Mary said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble state of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed because the mighty one has done great things for me and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has lifted up the lowly he has filled the hungry with good things but the rich he has sent away empty he has come to the aid of his servant israel remembering his mercy as he spoke to our fathers to abraham and his offspring forever this is the gospel grace and peace to you from god our father and from our lord and savior jesus christ amen Our text for consideration is found recorded in the book of Esther, chapter 4, beginning at verse 13. In fact, we'll read verses 13 and 14. Mordecai responded, take this message to Esther. Do not imagine that of all the Jews, you alone will escape because you are part of the king's household. If at this time you keep totally silent, relief and deliverance for the Jews will spring up from somewhere. But you and the house of your father will perish. Who knows whether you have become queen for a time like this. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ and heirs of everlasting life, For such a time as this, I saw the title on a devotion book uh, when they put a number of devotions from our daily devotions called the Meditations into one book. And they titled it, For Such a Time as This. And just a couple weeks ago, I heard a reporter speak about how they have written a book, an autobiography of their life, and they decided to title it for such a time as this. And I've wondered when I heard her say that that was the title of her book, I wondered if she knew where the words originally came from. They're pretty popular words and have withstood the test of time, for such a time like this, or for such a time as this. But the words were originally spoken by a man named Mordecai. And Mordecai was a citizen, he was in captivity, a Jewish man, but living in the citadel of Susa, where King Xerxes lived. Now, King Xerxes was the king of Persia. His father, Darius, had conquered and taken the land from the Babylonians. And, in fact, it was Darius who would send the first group of Jews after 70 years of captivity, back to the homeland and back to Jerusalem, where under the prophet Zerubbabel, they would rebuild the temple and rebuild the walls. And in fact, it would be Xerxes' son, Artaxerxes, that would allow another group to go back, two more, Ezra and Nehemiah, to go back and oversee the continual building of the walls especially. So this is right in the middle. And by the way, if you're wondering about King Xerxes, yes, this is the one who went and fought against the Greeks. His father fought against them and lost. And now Xerxes is going to fight against them in over a year campaign. In fact, it will take him about four years of planning. And it will be the largest army and really the largest navy. Some say even in the history of the world. And yet, Xerxes couldn't defeat the Greeks. This is the same one who fought against, if you've ever seen the movie of the 300, it was that, Xerxes. And this Xerxes was a very cruel man. But he was a man who loved his parties. And oh, did he drink. In fact, when it came to his parties, they could last for several months. And during one of his parties, he, on a course in a drunken stupor, calls for the Queen Vashti to come before the, the royal court where he was partying. And it says he wanted her to wear the, queen, the crown. Now, some scholars have interpreted that to mean that that's all she was to wear and come before the people because he wanted to brag about her beauty. Well, Vashti would not lower herself to that, and she refused to come. King Xerxes stripped her of her crown, and at the advice of her of his advisors, he decided that he would look for a new queen among the virgins of the empire. Mordecai encouraged Esther, to go and apply. And Esther was a very beautiful young lady. Her name means star. In fact, Mordecai was not her father. Mordecai was her cousin. Her mom and and dad had actually died. And Mordecai took Esther as his very own adoptive daughter. And they clearly had a very endearing relationship. As father and daughter. So Esther did apply and was taken to the palace, and for a year at least, she will go through a number of beauty treatments and actually special diets before she's allowed to be presented before the king. And out of all the women that Xerxes would sponsor, only Esther was the one that Xerxes would put the crown on, she became the queen, and really number one in the entire harem. Well, it was shortly after she became queen that Mordecai found out that two of the guards to the city gate were plotting and planning to assassinate King Xerxes. Mordecai reported this to Esther, who reported it to the king, And after a thorough investigation and interrogation, it was found out to be true, and the two men were executed. And nothing more is said. It was shortly after this that we have another man who comes onto the scene, and his name is Haman. And Haman is actually working himself up in prestige and and, and in favor of the king. He is a very wealthy man, and Therefore, very appealing to King Xerxes. And as he works his way up in in winning over Xerxes' favor, he ends up becoming pretty powerful. In fact, Xerxes actually gives him his signet ring, allowing Haman now, in the name of the king, to create laws. You really can't get more powerful than that. And because of his high title, Everyone was to bow before him when he went by because he was a representative of the king. He had the ring of the king. And every time he would walk by, Mordecai would not bow down. And Haman was irate. Not only did he want Mordecai dead, he wanted his entire culture dead. And since he was a Jew, Haman sent out a decree that went to every part of the entire kingdom and empire, saying that the Jews, their lives were to be ended. And because he was a superstitious man, he actually flipped a, or cast a lot, and the lot was called a pur, P-U-R. And he cast a lot, and we're told from Scripture that the lot fell on the fell on the 12th month. So on the 13th day of the 12th month, the order was that people could end the Jewish nation. They were to be wiped off the face of the earth, and everyone could take their property as their own. Well, when Mordecai heard that in less than a year, he and his people were to be dead, he ripped his clothing Put on sackcloth and ashes and he wept bitterly. Esther finds out that he's terribly grieved, and when she inquires about it, she finds out from Mordecai that the Jews were to be wiped out. She never even knew what Haman was doing. And at first, she said that she would not go before the queen or before the king because. Mordecai said, you have to plead for the king. You have to plead for the life of your people and your own life as well. But she said she could not because no one could come before the king into his throne room unless they're first welcomed because there was so much assassination going on. Not just anyone could enter the throne room unless the king offered his royal scepter and the person touched it. Only then could they be allowed in if she is not announced and allowed to come in, if she's not allowed to touch that scepter, according to the law, she must die. Mordecai replies with these words, Do not imagine that of all the Jews, you alone will escape because you are part of the king's household. If at this time you keep totally silent, Relief and deliverance for the Jews will spring up from somewhere, but you and the house of your father will perish. Who knows whether you have become queen for such a time like this. Esther takes the heart of the words of Mordecai and decides to go before the king. She asks for a fasting among the Jews. Uh, no doubt, to pray for her. She replied to Mordecai, if I perish, I will perish. She puts on her royal clothes and puts on her crown and stands in the entryway in the garden that would lead to the throne room. King Xerxes sees her and offers her the scepter and she touches it. He welcomes his queen in and asks, What do you want of me? You can ask for up to half the kingdom. She asks, she says, I want to have a banquet with you and Haman, and then I will tell you what my request is and what my concern is. Well, when Haman hears that he's now invited to a banquet, and by the way, King Xerxes is all in favor of a banquet, that means more drinking. When Haman hears that, he realizes, I have the favor of the queen. He realizes he's becoming more powerful and becoming more powerful quickly than he even he expected. So he comes to that banquet at night and Queen Esther says, when King Xerxes asks, what is your request? She said, Could we have another banquet tomorrow night, and I will bring you my request? King Xerxes certainly agrees. Haman is totally in favor. In fact, Haman is so delighted and so excited that when he leaves the palace on his way out, here he sees Mordecai, who, by the way, still will not bow before him. This makes Haman so irate that he goes home, complains to the family, who says, you need to build some gallows. He builds one 75 feet high. And they said, tomorrow, hang Mordecai on it. During the night, King Xerxes wasn't able to sleep. And so he asked for the royal historians to come and read from his history and they read the portion concerning how Mordecai had saved his life. He asked the servants if there was ever any honor given to Mordecai, and they said, no, none, absolutely none. So the, so the next day when Haman come for his banquet, but he came early in the morning, ready to grab Mordecai and have him executed, the king asked Haman, what would you do for a man who has saved the life of the king? Haman was thinking that he might be talking about him. So he said to the king, well, give him a royal dress that the king has wore. Put him on the royal horse that the king has rode. Put the royal crown on his head that the king has worn. And then have the highest official of the land lead him throughout the city proclaiming this man's praise. And King Xerxes said that was an excellent idea and had Haman dress up, put Mordecai on the horse, and let him throughout the city praising his name. Haman is embarrassed. But maybe the day is not over yet. And maybe it's going to look up, especially when he gets to go to the banquet. That Queen Esther is throwing. And when he gets there. King Xerxes asks what is your request? Her request was for her life. She asks that she would not be put to death. King Xerxes doesn't know what she's talking about. Finds out from Queen Esther. That there is a decree that went out in the name of the king to end the life of all the Jews, and she is a Jew. King Xerxes is so upset, he actually marches out of the room, but before he does that, he says, who gave such a decree? And she pointed to Haman. Again, he marches out of the room and And meanwhile, Haman, realizing that his life is possibly on the line, comes up to Queen Esther, who's lying on the couch begging for his life. And when King Xerxes comes in, he thinks that Haman is hitting on Esther and has him executed on the very gallows that was originally intended for Mordecai places Mordecai in a very high position. In fact, he actually becomes second in power of all of Persia. Only the king would be greater. But because Haman's law had went out in the name of the law of the Medes and the Persians, which means that not not even a king can overturn that law. Mordecai, in the name of the king, with the permission of the king, with the authority of the king, sends out decrees saying that the Jews were allowed to defend themselves and end the life and take the property of any of their enemies. And so when the 12 years, or the 12 months come, the Jews fought back and were very victorious throughout the entire empire. Because of this, Mordecai declared that there must be a festival that is to be celebrated every year as part of the Jewish history. Because it was on the verge that the Jewish people were going to be entirely wiped out, and now they're saved. And this celebration is celebrated to this very day. It is called the Purim. You are I am and I am is actually the Hebrew way of having a plural so in a nutshell it's the festival of lots and it is celebrated every year this next year on March 16th it begins and there is getting together with family and having a celebration as well as the exchanging of presents the festival of Paris You'll see it on your calendar, if your calendar includes the Jewish calendar, like Passover and Hanukkah and Yom Kippur. What is interesting about this entire story that I've shared with you is that many question this book of Esther. They don't doubt that it's historically true, but they question whether it should even be included in Scripture. And one of the biggest reasons why they question Esther is because in the entire book, you will never hear the mention of the the word God or Lord. And yet, even though we don't hear his name, it is clear that the Lord was behind all of this. Because if you don't believe that the Lord is behind all of this, then you have to believe in luck or in chance or that everything happened by accident. That it just happened to turn out this way? No, the hand of the Lord was involved in everything. It was the Lord who saved his people using Mordecai and Queen Esther. Because if the line of Israel is wiped out and the line of the Jews is wiped out, then the line of the Savior is wiped out. And then there is no place for the Savior to even come. So this was an important part of world history. And God oversaw that world history, oversaw the coming of the Savior, who would come from the line of the Jews, who would work on... would walk on that land of Judah and Galilee that had been the twelve tribes of Israel and God would make it happen we do not believe in luck and chance and accidents we believe in the Lord has a plan and when it comes to the Lord's plan the Lord has a promise And the Lord keeps his promises. For the very Son of God himself, who is the Christ, the one proclaimed by the prophets of old, was born of a virgin. The very Son of God who took on human flesh. This is not an accident. This is not by chance. This is not the luck of the draw. He really did come. I think of the words of Galatians chapter 4 that says when the time was set, God sent his son born under the law to redeem those under the law because the law shows us our sins and shows us that we deserve condemnation in hell because of our sins, not only the sins we commit, but even the sins that we've inherited from the very moment we were conceived. It was not by chance, it was not by luck, it was, it was not by accident that the Savior would come and keep that law perfectly for us. And with that perfect life, suffer on the cross, suffering the punishment of sin, which is death in our behalf, so that we would have life and have life eternal. By his very sacrifice, we do have the forgiveness of sins. And we live with that forgiveness. That's the peace we enjoy. That's the hope that we have. That is the joy we celebrate each and every day. And that is not by luck or by chance. And it is certainly not an accident. Your salvation is guaranteed. Because it was part of God's plan, and it was in keeping with God's promise. So when we celebrate Christmas, we are not celebrating a cute little child. Oh, the world loves to mock the believers for for worshiping. You know, oh, you wanna. Oh, this virgin, this young girl, she probably fooled around. Oh, that child, yeah, that's not really a big deal. Yeah, they were in a manger, but yeah, that and he was laid in a, in, in a humble way because they were poor people. He's not the king of kings. He's not the lord of lords. And people love to make fun and mock and twist and turn God's holy word. But my dear friends, we must never, Because we know that the truth of God's word is not by accident, it's not by the luck of the draw, and it is not by chance. This is the truth and the absolute truth. So the next time you pray in the Lord's Prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We rejoice that God's will is. He wants all to be saved. And he's called us Christians to also join in proclaiming his name to the ends of the earth. So everyone will know that Jesus is their Savior as well. Yes, this babe of Bethlehem who exchanged the manger for the cross and paid for the world's sins in full And he did it once and for all. Therefore I say, and I will say it again, and I will say it again and again. Jesus is the reason for the season. In fact, he's the reason for all seasons. And that is not by chance. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.lutheran.org. SalemEVLutheran.org Once again, that is May God bless you today and every day.